Hey guys, I'm Jen, owner of Hello June Creative, a boutique brand and web design studio. I'm here to help you learn, up-level, and find community in your design business journey. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Hey everyone, welcome back to Better the Brand Designer podcast. I hope you guys had the best holiday break and beginning to your year. This is the very first episode of season nine and I am just, I mean, I'm always excited about the podcast, but I am particularly excited about all the content and topics that I have planned for this season. We have some really, really fun guests that I cannot wait for you guys to hear and just some fun topics that feel top of mind for me right now, but also have come from you guys. I always love hearing more about what you guys are curious about. So we've curated a bunch of content ideas and topics um, that are gonna speak directly to that. A couple of updates about the podcast. I'm still staying weekly, but I'm going to be reducing the number of guest episodes that I do. And this is in no way because I don't love guest episodes. In fact, I probably like recording guest episodes more than I like recording solo episodes just because of that back and forth that we get to have but it just fits better into my schedule um, to record more solo episodes. And so that's gonna be a little shift that you guys will see in season nine. Um, that means that the guests that we do have are selected so intentionally. And there were so many people that I wanted to interview that just didn't fit into our content calendar this season um, that we're gonna be looking out for season 10, which is gonna be later this year. Um, but I'm really actually looking forward to recording a couple more solo episodes. Um, they're just a little bit shorter. I try to keep them on the shorter side and it just makes for a lot of flexibility with my schedule, um, which has actually shifted a lot. Um, I pick up my son from preschool in the early afternoon and that means that before noon, my work day is over. And so I've been kind of getting my day started a little bit earlier and kind of my husband, of course, helps support in the like morning routine with Ryder and getting him to school and stuff like that. Um, but I've been really enjoying just waking up, you know, grabbing a little bite to eat and then getting started working, getting into work mode really early in the morning, um, when it's still dark outside, you know, I never really considered myself that much of a morning person, but I definitely find myself being the most creative, you know, right when I wake up and as the day goes on, I just get more and more tired and like my brain just feels more foggy. Um, so I think that this is going to be a really fun schedule for this year. And, you know, we'll probably reevaluate when Ryder is in, um, the next level up of kindergarten, um, later this fall. But, um, my hours being really early, it's fun for me, but it's actually a big scheduling challenge because I am on Eastern time and a lot of my clients are not. And so it's like 4am for them when I'm starting to work. And so, um, I've definitely been, you know, just needing to be a little bit more flexible with like afternoon calls, um, here and there. Um, and just kind of strategically using, you know, <laughs> my husband taking Ryder to the park to get a call in here and there, but, um, I really, really am enjoying this new schedule. And so podcasting is going to be happening. It's like podcast before dark or podcast during the dark before the light. <laughs> so that's going to be an update for this season. So this episode's topic was inspired by one of my mini minders. Hi, Morgan from Thorough Design. 
Um, she was asking me more about how to just get faster at brand and web design. Um, not necessarily just the brand and web design, but all of the things that go into running a brand and web design studio. Um, she is a new mom, and I know that there are a bunch of moms and parents out there that listen, but even if you're not a parent um, and you wanna experiment with a shortened work schedule, one of the things that really helped me when I became a mom um, and helped me break out of that like nine to five, you know, 40 hour a week, five day work week was just learning how to get faster at certain tasks that I was doing over and over again. Um, and so I wrote out this list um, for Morgan that has kind of morphed into the outline for today's episode, um, all about just my tips on how to get faster at the things that we do every day in the studio. Um, one thing that I wanted to preface this conversation with is that I don't necessarily think that the amount of time that you spend on something directly relates to the value that it provides. I think that you can you can do something really, really quickly and have it provide maximum value, but you can also spend a ton of time on something and have it not really provide that much value. So if anyone out there like me back in the day was like really nervous about, oh, well, if I don't spend a ton of time on this brand, then I can't charge a lot for it or that it's not going to be valuable. I want to challenge that um, because I've learned to do things very quickly in my business, but still retain the utmost quality um, and intentionality. And that's another thing that I see, you know, just kind of like a mindset blocker that holds people back from wanting to get faster or feeling like they're allowed to work quickly um, is that they think that if they work quickly, then the quality of work will suffer. Um, and this is just like anything else, practice, you know, maybe it doesn't make perfect, but the more you practice doing this type of work quickly, the more you'll be able to execute the work at the same level you did before, but just in a fraction of the amount of time. Um, and so, you know, when people ask me like, well, how do you only, how do you stop work by, you know, before noon every single day and still make a full-time income and have an employee and an intern? Um, it's because I learned to work really quickly. Um, and, you know, obviously another way to scale is to hire a big expensive team and stuff like that, but that's just not really my vision for Hello June. So over the years, I have learned a couple of tricks. I have a couple of things up my sleeve to just help myself get faster and more efficient at my job. And I'm going to share all of that stuff with you guys right now. So if you guys only remember one thing from this episode, um, I recommend getting a timer or using like the timer on your phone to time yourself on certain tasks. I have a small white timer cube I got on Amazon. Um, thank you for the recommendation, Lauren. That is amazing for helping me stay on task. It's, um, you know, it's a couple inches, maybe two or three inches high. Um, and so it kind of fits in one hand and it has a 5, 10, 15, 30, and 60 minute size. So you can flip it so that the 60 minute side is up and then the cube will automatically start a 60 minute timer and then have a little beeper at the end. And so it's cute, it's aesthetic, it's super easy to use. I don't love using my phone as a timer because every time I open up my phone, sometimes I find myself just on Instagram or in my email and I'm like, how did I get here? So, um, that's another thing that I'll talk about in a little bit is kind of eliminating distractions, but I like having a separate timer that is not related to my phone whatsoever. So I can put my phone away, turn the timer on and not be like tempted to like check to see how much time I have left, etc. This really helps me stay focused and make faster decisions than if I just kind of let myself design for as long as I wanted to. In terms of branding, I recommend timing yourself on things that tend to take you a while and locating different areas of your process that you think you could tighten up. 
For me, this was mood boarding and type research. I would spend hours combing through all different types of Pinterest inspiration, uh, screenshots from my phone, all the different places that I like to find um, design inspiration. And I would look at fonts for hours because I was always thinking like, oh, well, there's probably a better one out there. Like I need to just keep looking. Whereas over time, I learned to trust myself more. Um, I stopped inspo gathering and instead looked at what I gathered and evaluated. And that even helped me, even if I did need to go back out and get more inspiration, it helped me like on the right track instead of just having to narrow down this huge amount of like every font in the world. Um, I would identify some fonts that I felt were a good fit for the project and then use um, whatthefont.com. Um, I would just upload screenshots to there and then find similar fonts. I love using that tool. I use it on every single project. It just helps font research go by so much faster. Um, and you know, as I kind of timed myself and realized how much time it was taking, and I also reduced that amount of time um, over over the you know the months and years, I learned to just follow my initial instincts more closely, and that is probably one of the biggest things that has impacted my ability to work very quickly and efficiently, but at the same level of quality is that I just have learned to trust my instincts more. And that just comes with time and practice. Um, I also recommend if you want to get faster at branding, sketching things out on paper. I was actually just like playing with this little tablet that um, Ryder has. It's it's just like a, it's a black tablet and you, it has a little pen that comes with it and it kind of like has like rainbow underneath it. So when you, it's like magnetic and kind of like a little etch-a-sketch. Um, he calls it his iPad, which is so cute. Um, but I was just like sketching out some just little things on there and you can just erase and sketch again. It's, it's nice to just explore and just use your hands, but I do like pen and paper. I don't have a fancy sketchbook. I usually just grab whatever notebook is near me. Like I, I am um, notorious for sketching on lined paper, which is kind of annoying and difficult to scan into Illustrator, so I don't recommend. But sometimes I just have an idea hit me and I'm like, oh, I need to like write this down. Um, I am curious about getting a Apple Pencil for my iPad and trying out Procreate. So if anyone has experience with that, I've just seen a couple of reels on it recently and the brush strokes that you're able to do with that pen is just it goes so far beyond what I'm able to do just with my um, pen tool or pencil tool in Illustrator um, and I don't necessarily feel like I have the illustration skills to use pens like actual real pens like brush pens um, to get the right effect that I want on paper so I'm gonna experiment with that and I will report back. When it comes to web, um, I've actually made my process much faster by using an internal theme for my show it builds. And I use that same theme on every single website. And I think I was explaining it to one of my mini minders recently, like, uh, it's like AI, it gets smarter every time because every single semi-custom project that we do, we end up creating like new custom sections, or we just like wanted to move something around and then we come up with a cool new layout. We save those layouts from all our semi-custom projects and build them back into our internal show it theme. And then the theme, like I said, just gets smarter and there's more options and it just makes the next project go even faster. Um, so I think building out an internal theme for your website build, if you work in show it, um, I'm not sure if that would even make sense for other platforms, but um, just having it be more robust with every client is amazing. Um, I also set timers for pages. I really try to... Because I design and develop and show it at the same time, um, I try to do an hour and a half for each page, and that's for mobile and desktop at the same time. 
if you remember one thing about getting faster at web design and show it, it is to do your desktop and mobile development at the same time. And what I mean by this is you do one section of the desktop and then you immediately go over into the mobile and then design that section too. So that when you're duplicating sections with styling, buttons, headlines, that type of thing, you're not only duplicating the desktop version, but you're also duplicating the mobile version. And so that way you don't have to go through and clean up the mess that mobile can get within show it. Um, it just helps make everything go so much faster when it comes to internal systems the best thing that you can do to speed up your process is to have really, really good templates for everything. Um, and you don't have to go out and spend a ton of money on these templates. You can create them yourself and iterate with every single client project. Typically at the end of a client project, I'll look back on my systems and think like, okay, what was clear? What could be better? Um, I do this in the middle of the year during my summer sabbatical in July, where I look at my systems and think about, okay, what was confusing to the client? What could I change? What do I want to keep? And I update everything and I update our calendar as well. So um, canned emails are a great way to save time. I write out, every time I write a new email to someone, I think to myself, could this be used in the future? I save it into my HoneyBook and then odds are I'm going to save myself five to 10 minutes from writing an email. Um, or maybe sometimes I save myself less time because I'm a little bit faster at it now. Um, client portals are something that we absolutely have a template for. Um, all of our client timelines, um, we have templates for. Um, and you might already have these in your business, um, but they just need a little bit of tweaking. And maybe you need to like dedicate a specific template file that you can use when you are onboarding a new client. When you're onboarding clients, for example, I asked Lauren how long it takes her to onboard a Hello June client, including packing and shipping out the gift box. And she said about one and a half hours tops. And so in case anyone needs a comparison as to like how many hours you spend on onboarding, maybe you're like, oh, wow, that's a lot. Or maybe you're like, oh, I spend six or six to seven hours on onboarding. Um, it's going to look different for everyone. Obviously, everyone has a little bit of a different process, but um, it used to take me really long time to like just dot all of the I's and cross all the T's that come along with onboarding. But we have a pretty robust client onboarding checklist that is within our client portal template that our clients actually use to kind of self onboard. Um, so that just makes things really, really easy. And we have a repeatable system that we do every single time and it just gets faster um, with time. In terms of proposal writing, this was a really big time leak that I had in my company where I would be writing these custom proposals and it would take me hours. It would take me like two or three hours sometimes to write two or three proposals. And typically I batch my proposals. So I have all my discovery calls on Monday and then by the end of the week on Thursday, or I try to do them early in the week if I can, but sometimes it ends up happening on Thursday. Um, I'll do two or three. And then it was just taking me like half my work day to like write out all these proposals and record all of the videos for them and everything. And um, one thing that I'm going to get into a little bit later in this season is that I have switched over from using value-based pricing in my studio to what I'm calling fixed yet flexible pricing. Um, and it's actually been amazing in reducing my proposal time. So I have a proposal template that has all of my offers, their set packages with set pricing, um, kind of mapped out. And then I take about 15 minutes max per proposal to delete the offers that aren't relevant to that particular client, um, and then adjust any offers that need adjusting, i.e. if the client has a budget that really just cannot make my brand identity intensive work, which is um, the lowest price point that we have for brand identity, um, custom brand identity work, then I will, you know, adjust the 
um, deliverables. And, you know, I'll talk about this with the client on the call as well. Adjust the deliverables, adjust the pricing if I feel like I want to and if I feel like I have the time in my calendar. Um, and that is kind of where the flexible side of pricing comes in. Um, I still think it is incredibly valuable to use value-based pricing principles when you're establishing your positioning, your messaging, your content marketing, your sales process. I think leading with the value, the transformation, the return on investment that the client is going to see is invaluable and an amazing way to position your services against the value that the client stands to gain. And so I do still use a ton of value-based pricing principles, and I'm really grateful that I have that pretty robust understanding of how that works. But I've adapted it to work for my studio and for my clientele. They were just having a little bit of a hard time you know, with the true value-based pricing approach of really being able to estimate what the financial return they were looking for from our services together was. Um, and this has just been a really, really great shift. So maybe I'll record an episode about that later in the season, but that has reduced my proposal time like tenfold. It is amazing. I don't dread writing proposals anymore. It takes me not long and I've got them out the door. Also for proposals that are pretty straightforward, I don't record videos for every single one because that just takes a little bit of extra time. And I did used to do that when I wasn't sending out as many proposals. It's not like I'm sending out tons and tons of proposals. I'd say I probably send out between one and three proposals per week, but you know, tack a 10 minute loom video onto each of those. And that's just like a bunch of extra time that I was really trying to cut out. So if I have a client that has you know, maybe they're really not sure which package that they wanted on the call, or if, you know, I felt, feel like the proposal was a little bit more complex and I wanted to explain something, then I'll send a video, but I just don't do it every single time. A quick note on hiring. Um, I think if you are really strapped for time, a lot of the times people think like, oh, well, I just need to hire someone. I think that can be a little bit of a dangerous game because if you don't have your systems and processes and templates all like kind of set up, hiring someone you know, initially I would say in the first about three months, it actually takes a little bit more of your time to invest in them train them, that type of thing. So, um, what I recommend is, you know, kind of taking a look at some of the things that I chatted about in, in this episode today before thinking about like, Oh, well, I can't, I don't have time for social media. Let me just like hire it out to someone else. Odds are that if you set up a social media system for yourself, that felt a little bit easier to do, a little bit simpler, um, something that didn't involve really complex like dance reels or transitions and just kind of went with um, easier to create content. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's a more low value or that it's any less good than other more complicated content. Um, I would recommend just kind of like seeing how that feels first rather than just going ahead and outsourcing something that might be overly complicated and might not have the type of return that you're looking for with the investment with a team member. That being said, if you do want to dip your toes into the world of outsourcing, I see a lot of people start with VAs and that is awesome. I love VAs. They're amazing. But I have had such a great experience with my intern and I feel like interns, not only of course, are they more cost effective than working with people who are not in college. Um, I do pay my interns. I pay them hourly and we kind of do like a set number of hours per month on retainer. Um, I find that I just get more value out of working with someone who is surrounded by design all the time and is actively working through their design coursework. That's why I like working with design, you know, interns, specifically juniors and seniors in a design program in, in college. 
I find that using a contract intern to support on the most time-consuming tasks like client portal creation, exporting, creating mock-ups, creating reels, creating social graphics um, is definitely worth the money that you spend on them. Um, and the key is to make sure that you find someone who already has experience with like Adobe Illustrator and potentially maybe Figma or someone that you can train um, and that you have an inkling could get faster. Um, one of the arguments against hiring an intern is that they might take a lot of handholding and, you know, they might not be very fast. And I think it's about finding the right person because I have had the most amazing experience with my intern. Allie, we love you so much. She just recently got a full-time job and I'm so excited and proud of her. Um, but it's actually so fun to like pour into, especially if there's someone local to you in a local, um, you know, college program, then it's really, really cool to, help expose them to what the inner workings of a boutique studio would look like, but then also saving on costs if you are looking at hiring out some of those more time-consuming tasks. So that brings us to our inbox question today. Um, Shelby Reed asks, what's an appropriate amount of time spent on choosing brand colors initially? And this is such a great question for this particular episode. I was like saving it for a really good one. Shelby, I spend... I can't say specifically on colors because I build my mood boards and font research and color palettes all at the same time. I would say that from inspiration gathering to final mood board created, I would spend maybe like anywhere from two to three hours. Um, but I also have been doing this for a while and I've gotten like really quick at it. So you might want to spend a little bit more time. Um, creating a mood board is like a very it's like one of the most fun parts of the process. And, um, now Lauren does a lot of my mood boarding for me and I do a little bit just more creative direction, reviewing her Pinterest boards, looking at fonts and stuff like that. Um, but when I build the mood board, I'm using the photos that I pull, um, on the initial Pinterest board to inform the colors. And so as I'm building the color palette, I'm moving things around in the mood board. I'm looking at fonts. So they all kind of come together like at once rather than, oh, I'm going to sit down and build the color palette now. So whatever your process looks like, that's just kind of like what I do. Um, I think that it's always interesting to hear more about like how long it takes people to do certain things. I'm sure there's things that I do that like I spend way too long on compared to what anyone listening might spend or things that I, you know, you guys might think I don't spend enough time on, but of course everyone is different. Um, and my hope for this episode is that it empowered any any of you guys who feel like they're being bogged down by like, you know, taking three hours to create a reel. Like I just like doing a single video with like a little caption on top and like a short caption on Instagram. I know everyone says value, value, value. You have to provide value. But like I think writing an entire blog post for every single Instagram caption that you do, like I just, I just don't have time for that. And I don't want that. Um, so maybe that's not the best practice and, you know, take what I say with a grain of salt because I'm not a social media strategist or social media manager. Um, but I've just found like places that I could invite simplicity into my process, into my content marketing. Um, and it just makes it more fun for me because I'm like, it's not going to be this huge time commitment to like make this fun real. I can just go on CapCut, grab a fun template, put my caption in and then export it. Um, and my intern now supports with so much of that content creation. A lot of what you guys see on Instagram is created by our intern, um, with guidance from me and Lauren. So, um, 
yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, a little quick one all about saving time and getting faster at stuff. Um, but I am seriously so excited about everything that we have coming down the pipeline for the podcast in season nine. Um, if you guys have inbox questions, um, please shoot them over to our podcast. We have retired the email address for um, better. So we're going to be just accepting in- inbox questions at better podcast and the DMS. Um, and you can always take a picture or take a screenshot of where you're at listening to the podcast, share it, tag me. It makes my day. I get listener messages, um, pretty often throughout the week and it literally like makes me smile so much. So with all that being said, I'm so grateful to have you guys here for season nine and I cannot wait for what's to come. See you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode, leave a review, join our free Facebook community, and share the pod with your designer friends so that they can join the fun. Give me a shout on Instagram at betterpodcast if you want to submit an inbox question and visit the pod at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more and snag discounts on my favorite resources. See you next week.